Welcome back, everyone, to Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist. My name is Donna Harris-Richards. I'm an LICSW and ASEX certified sex therapist and couples therapist. And I am here with my lovely, most lovely producer, Vicki, who keeps me going. Hi, Vicki. <laughs> Hello. How you doing? Wonderfully. <laughs> I love the way you say, Hello. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. <laughs> well, and we are here today. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a Q&A. And uh, before we get to the Ask Donna Q&A, Q&A, excuse me, before we get to the Ask Donna Q&A, I would like to state my mission once again, which is to help people embrace sex positive thinking and attitudes into daily life for optimal health, which includes sexual health. You know, we go for annual mammograms, pelvic exams, prostate exams for sexual health. And I feel we owe it to ourselves to check up on the emotional and mental health aspects of sexual health for total well-being and increasing pleasure, play and passion in our lives. So, Vicki, how have you been? been wonderful well you look wonderful thank you this is a new sweatshirt <laughs> oh it's darling looks nice and comfy it is it's so comfortable it's the comfy work from home covid outfit when i have to start going back into the office and like putting jeans on every day or real pants i don't uh it's not gonna be great <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, we, I have not uh, fallen victim, thankfully, to the COVID 10, 15, 20, whatever they're calling it, um, which reminds me of like the, what did they used to call it? The freshman 10 when you went off to college, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> freshman 20, um, because I'm really lucky to have a spouse who's an amazing cook like you um, and, you know, cooks really, really healthy stuff um, and just walking a lot, you know, ma making sure to get physical activity and, mm. uh, you know, because the first thing I'm going to do when I um, get vaccinated and I'm, you know, good to go is get on an airplane and travel somewhere. And so I want to make sure I that <laughs> I want to make sure that my body baggage isn't too heavy to carry across the airport. <laughs> so I'm trying to be mindful of that. And I just, you know, tend to feel better now that I'm older and 60, having turned 60. Um you know, it's really important. I'm finding more and more to be aware of how food affects my body. I mean, I've, I've been aware for a while, but, you know, I, I try not to eat too late because when you get older, you know, that really affects you more and more. So um, just trying to be very conscious overall of of what I put in my mouth and, you know, how active. It's really calories in and calories out. That's the way to stay healthy and the kind of calories too. You know, we're really lucky. We live on the South coast in New England here. And so we have access to really great fish, very reasonably priced. Um, so it's easy to eat healthy here. I felt so fancy at the beginning of COVID because I felt like all the seafood was on sale because all of the restaurants weren't taking it as much as they needed to because they, they weren't producing as much. So all the seafood was on sale everywhere. I was getting scallops for like crazy prices, like crazy low prices for pounds of scallops. And I felt so fancy because those things that normally are like summer things I was able to have for <laughs> more of the time. And has that changed? You've noticed the pricing is, has changed now? It's leveled out a little bit. Yeah. 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 Right. I hear you. Um, so speaking of food, uh, here's a Betty Dotson quote. We love Betty. 
Uh, Betty Dotson wrote Sex for One. Um, and unfortunately, she just passed recently, but she was the real... Uh, a real staunch advocate for women's sexuality. And her, her quote that I really love is, if you go out to dinner with someone, you find out what they prefer in food. We ought to be able to have a conversation to find out what people prefer when it comes to sex. Right? Wouldn't that be great just to be sitting at dinner and, hey, so what position did you guys take last night, you know? Yeah, imagine if you had a menu, if you had a sex menu, and you were just like, maybe we'll start with this. And we'll have this for dessert. <laughs> yeah, a little of this on the side. Can you put this can on split top? This. <laughs> split this, put that on top. Can you put this underneath? Yeah, that's good. Oh, I like that. I like that. Um, and actually, here's a, here's one. I'm going to... Uh, here's another quote. Um, Dr. Ruth Westheimer. This is from her book called The Doctor is In. Dr. Ruth on Love, Life, and Joie de Vivre. Uh, she says, I actually look for things to smile about. If I'm going to a concert later that night and I start to feel in a bad mood, I think about the wonderful melodies I'll be hearing later. I make a conscious effort to be positive. And if you want the most joie de vivre in your life, that's what you must do as well. Negative thoughts will pop into your head as they do to me and everybody. But why give in to those thoughts and allow your mood to be dragged downward? My suggestion, she says, is to fight off the temptation to go negative and work at being positive. Try it out and see what happens. I'm willing to bet you find the experience worth repeating again and again. Oh. Little Dr. Ruth. She was quite the powerhouse. Um, Dr. Ruth is... I love Dr. Ruth. And, sh and there's one more quote I wanted to kind of put out there. It's, you know, you know, I adore Dr. David Schnark. He's a, a medical doctor and a sex therapist. And he says, you don't think your way to a new way of living. You live your way to a new way of thinking. And that really captures the heart and the essence of sex and couples therapy to me, which is that... Um, Yes, we have to change how we think, but more importantly, we have to do something different to get something different. You know, and the only way through is through, right? And that, that's a little quote on my website as well. Um, yeah, so I, I think those quotes are, are nice ways to start today's little Q&A. A little Q&A with some scenarios that we have. Um, I actually have two questions that are not relationship scenarios to start this off that I was thinking of um, as we were just like going through the different things that we talk about. Um, and, and the first one is, do you know off the top of your head, like the split of male to female of people that actually come to therapy? Uh, you mean couples therapy or individual therapy? Yeah. Couples therapy or sex therapy. It's a good mix of, of both, you know, males and females, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, oftentimes, I mean, I cannot give you the numbers. Um, I, no, would, I would say, based on what I know and my uh, training, that more women have the impulse to come to therapy versus men. Um, and I will often hear women say, I wanted to start this process two years ago, um, but, you know, he didn't think we needed it. Right. So this is in heterosexual couplings. Um, and so my my hunch is that it's probably more more women than men. Um, 
And, uh, you know, maybe that speaks to the idea that um, women can be more verbal when it comes to emotions. I mean, you know, hard, we're hardwired. And when I say we, meaning women, we're, you know, we give birth and we have the babies and we're, we can be very in tune with, with that stuff, the, the, the problems of having to resolve emotional issues. Um, and I, and I, again, please, any guys out there who want to tell me that I'm wrong, feel free to call in, write in. I'm, I'm happy to be real. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to hear it. I always want to be wrong because um, I want to learn. But the thing that I, I find to be so delightful is that when men come to this process, um, they do say, you know, it's not as scary as I thought, or it's much more pleasant than I thought it was going to be, or it's, it's, I, I actually got something out of it in a way that I didn't expect to. Because again, it goes back to expectations, right? We talked a little bit about expectations last time and, and we're, we focus on that quite a bit. So we have these expectations that we don't need therapy. I often will hear, uh, folks say, or, and particularly men, um, you know, I just didn't think we needed anyone else's opinion on how we could get along. But there are human patterns. Right. Um, and it's, you know, there's this idea that we get into to habits and, and maybe destructive or, or bad habits. And I don't mean to use the word bad as a judgment, but just habits that aren't helpful to thinking about what's best for the relationship. And so it's really important to have a third party come in. I mean, it's like anything. It's like, you know, you could be running. Uh, or walking, or lifting weights, going to the gym, uh, or doing some sports activity, and you might not realize that you're creating a bad physical habit um, where you're now having pain, or you're experiencing some problem because uh, you didn't realize that you need to be positioning yourself differently. You could be playing golf. You could be, you know, I'm a singer, and I was uh, singing for years and years and years, and I went back for voice lessons because I you know, thought, I think I just need some retraining and to check in to make sure that I'm, you know, singing correctly, you know, my, my physical body and, and all of that. So it's just really easy to fall into the habit to, to habits um, that may not be as effective for whatever the goal is as, as it might be. So I don't know if that answers your question at all. But. No, it does. No, it, it, it absolutely does. And then um, my second question, not related to a scenario, is just to talk a little bit about telehealth. I, we had gotten a question um, about how secure telehealth actually is. And, and you tell, I think telehealth is great. And I know you do, too. So how, te how secure is telehealth and how, you know, how does telehealth actually work? Um, so I am a licensed independent clinical social worker, um, and I, we are regulated by, uh, a board, um, and as social workers and also, you know, a licensed mental health counselors and LMFTs, licensed marriage and family therapists, I can't speak to their organizational bodies, but I know with social workers, we are, um, uh, sort of mandated, if you will, or, you know, highly encouraged to be very ethical. And so with telehealth, uh, we all use HIPAA compliant platforms, meaning that they're privacy compliant. So I use something called doxy.me. Uh, folks out there use simple practice. Um, there are a variety of telehealth platforms where there's HIPAA compliance. Um, some folks are, some therapists are using Zoom. I'm not, I don't know exactly what, what the HIPAA compliance is with that, I think that that there are that that must be as well. I don't really use Zoom, um, but um, yeah, HIPAA compliance is key, and 
you know, so, so yes, it, it is private. Um, you know, understand that with anything electronic, there's, I suppose, always a risk of a, of a breach of privacy, but, you know, people like myself do everything possible to app to, to make sure that we are working within a HIPAA compliant platform. Wonderful. Shall we jump into these scenarios? Oh, sure. Do you have a preference of which one you'd like to start with? I do not. Okay. I'm just going to jump right in. Sure. My wife and I have been finding ourselves in a constant state of bickering and can't seem to stop. We think therapy might help, but we're not sure where to start. It's never anything major, but the constant state of bickering is exhausting and we're both unhappy. Hmm. Okay. Well, I would say that... um they should give a call. <laughs> you know, feel free to uh, find a, a, a myself or a, a trained uh, and certified couples therapist, because um, this is a specialization. This is an area where there's a, a specialty. Um, it's a, a long process of training to help folks, uh, f- you know, begin to have, a again, more productive and constructive way of relating. Um, you know, we can figure out where they're getting sort of knotted up, you know, where, where, what are some of the triggers for these, um, disagreements, fights, you know, it's, it's this John Gottman, Julie Schwartz idea of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? So they talk about, um, the, the habits that couples get into, which is the criticism and defense cycle, criticism and defensiveness are two elements of the four, and then, uh, resentment and contempt, are the other elements, meaning that, you know, if we criticize and attack too much, uh, we can become resentful over time. And when resentment goes on for too long, oh, sorry, actually, it's stonewalling and resentment. I got that wrong. I apologize. So criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling and resentment are the four elements. And if those elements are in place for long enough, over time, it leads to an 81 or higher percent chance of breakup or divorce. So couples are really wise, like this couple is wise to take note of the fact that they're bickering and they're not really sure what's going on. So they may call a, a trained and certified couples and sex therapist to help them figure out, yeah, where where are those triggers? What's happening? Let's look back at the kind of let's connect the dots back to family of origin stuff or or maybe just look right now in the moment at how they can do something different to get something different that's the best for the relationship. Because I think the the habit that we fall into in a, in a coupling is that we value ourselves um, over the relationship. And I really want to give that message to folks that if you want to stay in the relationship and have it grow over time, you're really thinking about the relationship first. You know, how can I give uh, for a better outcome? Like I'll ask couples quite often, what happened over the last week or two that you noticed um, about how you might have been healing the relationship, what you might have done literally to heal the relationship or what you might have done to trigger or injure the relationship? And let's take a look at how we can do better. Do you think there's a difference between bickering and arguing? I hear that a lot. And that's just a question from me, but... I hear a lot of times people be like, oh, we're just bickering over small things, but aren't all bickerments arguments essentially? Mm, I mean, I think bickering feels and sounds to me like a habit, right? So Mm. if you're in a habit of being of a negative mind, right? So let's remember that negative thinking comes naturally. We are all 
uh, in self-protection mode. Um, so when we are being negative with our partner in a bickering way, we're maybe just giving into that habit of mind where we're in self-protection mode. But that means we're valuing ourself as the individual over the best thing for the relationship. So oftentimes I'll say to folks, you know what? Instead of noticing the negative, notice something nice. You know, notice something about your partner that you really appreciate. What do you cherish about your partner? What are you grateful for? And literally, this is putting posit more positive neurons in our neural pathways. Any of my clients can tell you I talk about this all the time. I mean, it's really a brain function thing where we can develop more at that. So, Vicki, you're a, a planter, you're a gardener, right? If you walked away from your plants and your garden and the things you grow, what would happen? They would die. Right. So we don't want to walk away from what we want to develop. We want to turn toward it. And another Gottman Schwartz, is it Gottman? I think it's Gottman. Yeah. Uh, so, so John Gottman and Julie Schwartz are researchers um, and they, came, they had the love lab, which I think is a very clever title. Yeah. So in terms of um, expressing appreciation, noticing something nice, we know that that decreases conflict. It opens up our partner's ears. When we, there's, there's an acronym called mm -hmm. ATTUNE. That's a Gottman-Schwartz mm -hmm. acronym. So A stands for, I'm going to paraphrase this. Uh, A stands for giving attention to your partner. TT stands for turning toward your partner. Uh, U stands for increasing understanding. I'm going to say of self and partner. N stands for needs, expressing your needs. And E stands for empathy. And what I find really is most helpful is if we can increase empathy for ourselves, be gentle with ourselves, it's easier to increase empathy and be gentle with our partner. But if we only do that part, if we only start to develop empathy and gentleness for our partner, that's that's a surefire quick way into to get better in the relationship. So that's going to help with the bickering. That's going to help uh, turn around that negative habit. And then the arguing, I think it's a little bit different in that, you know, you may not be arguing because it's something that's a negative habit of mine. You may be arguing because you have a particular position about something, a, partic a particular point of view about something. Um, you may feel like there's an injustice going on um, or that you're not being heard and you want your partner to hear you or see your perspective or your point of view. I don't think that's bickering. I think that's arguing is healthy. I think if you, you know, you're, you're different people, right? So you have two people in a relationship they're different people. So you're never going to see everything the same way. It's just not possible. So as again, as Schnark says, if you want anxiety, get into a relationship. Because it's tense. I mean, you have a different perspective on things. Hopefully you see enough of the world the same way and you enjoy enough of the same things that you can, you can, you know, have pleasure when you spend time together. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So for this couple who's finding themselves bickering and arguing, I mean, I may want to explore, you know, are they setting enough time together? Are they making time for each other where they're having dates and having nice experiences together? Um, and, you know, maybe they're doing that already. Are they, you know, what's going on with their sex life? Um, are they having sex? Are they planning sex? Are they being spontaneous? Are they uh, focusing on, on what they share in common and what they enjoy together uh, versus maybe having fallen into the habit that's more negative? Wonderful. Next scenario. My husband and I are in need of help with our communication and coping skills. 
we are also dealing with infidelity from an emotional affair. Where should we start? Couples therapy. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would say they, w- they could give a call. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to give advice to folks here because there's not enough specifics and particulars. But, um, yeah, emotional affairs are a thing for people. Um, and really what I want to help folks figure out is, uh, first of all, uh, whatever the, the breaking of the boundary is or the emotional affair is would have to stop in order to move forward. Um, so that has to be an agreement that right from the get-go, uh, whether it's a physical affair, emotional affair, whatever the boundary breaking is, we've got to sort of um, make sure to create a safe space for both people and to kind of figure out what what was happening at the time that that emotional affair started. Um, what, you know, I'll often hear from couples, for example, um, like the person who might have engaged in the affair would say, um, you know, I didn't feel like I could go to my partner, you know, either my partner, either, you know, for myself, I didn't know how, um, I didn't want to bother my partner. Uh, I didn't know whether this was reasonable, unreasonable. Uh, and then we can just sort of dig in and figure out going forward, how to create that. So, you know, does it matter why it happened? Well, yeah, but what's more important is what you're going to do now. You know, how I can help couples be more open, uh, more direct, uh, have their partner hear them in a way where they make time for them, uh, they make them feel safe. Uh, again, increasing empathy, a softer startup is an idea in therapy that's really important. Um, yeah, so it's, it's all very uh, solvable. These issues that couples come in with are very solvable and and they're solvable literally within three months, six months. It's it's really I'm not gonna say it's a quick fix, but it it it's not it's not on and on forever and ever therapy. It, there's a beginning, a middle and an end, and an arc of therapy that works. Do you find that um couples that come in again, this is just a Vicky question. <laughs> Do you find that couples that come in that have been dealing with an emotional affair that's a little bit more difficult in a way than a physical affair. Cause I feel like sometimes when you hear about physical affairs, it's a very clear boundary that was crossed. It was a physical act that, you know, that may, that a line was crossed, but sometimes with an emotional affair, that might be a little bit of a gray area of what that boundary was that was crossed. Yes or no. Am I off base? I might be off base. Who knows? No, no, you're not off base, but I think it all, it depends on the person mm-hmm. and it depends on the couple. Um, uh, here's how I, I encourage people to think about it. You know, if you're having an, an interface with someone, let's say you're the person having the emotional affair, quote, air quotes, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you're saying something to someone that you, you wouldn't uh, feel comfortable having your partner know mm-hmm. that you said, um, that may be considered a breaking of a boundary. Now, I say mm-hmm. that. Because we also have the right to flirt. Now, I say that, and I know that's going to ruffle feathers too. But, you know, there's no one necessarily correct way to do things. Um, Meaning, look, we're all sexual, right? So if we're sexual, it means we're looking out in the world and seeing people who are attractive to us, right? Uh, Yeah, I think to your point, there is gray. You know, if you 
you know, prior to COVID, right, we, you go into a bar or you go into a club or a restaurant, you sit down and you might be there to enjoy the live music. Um, and, you know, your partner gets up to go to the restroom or you're waiting for your partner to show up and someone walks by your table and they start chatting with you. And you might think, oh, well, this person's attractive. You wouldn't make the choice to cross the boundary to have an affair, but you might notice that they're attractive and that's OK. You're alive. Right. <laughs> and that's good. That's healthy. Um who knows? Uh, someone may interpret that as you were being overly flirtatious. They may see you and say, hey, you know, to your partner, well, I don't know, that didn't look so good. But again, I think that we have to be very clear with our partners about what makes us uncomfortable, what makes us comfortable. Um, folks do have the right to, to look out there and find other people attractive because we're alive. Um, and at the same time, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say if you are having an interface or, or an exchange with someone and you know that 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 would be upsetting to your partner, how you're behaving or the choice you're making, um, then you're you might likely be breaking a boundary. And um, that would be the clue to to say to yourself, OK, what's what's going on with me that I don't feel like I can sort of do this with my partner or or what's going on that I don't feel I can go to my partner with this uh, impulse. You know, this is why we want to make dates. This is why we want to uh, schedule sex. We want to be spontaneous with our partner um, because we want to grow and develop the relationship. Am I is this answering the question or is this? No, it is. Absolutely. That was just a just a general Diving in a little deeper question, that's all. Every couple, look, there are human patterns, but every couple is unique in that each partner has a, a certain uh, level of needs or, or a limit. Um, and we can talk about how to make that limit clear and maybe expand those limits a little bit too. Great. Next one. Uh, yeah, next one. Hmm. Lately, I have been suffering from extreme PE, and I think it's connected to a variety of issues happening both inside and outside of my marriage. I'm too nervous to tell my partner because I don't want him to think it's only his fault, but I'm desperate to fix things. Hmm. So PE is premature ejaculation. Usually what's at the root of premature ejaculation is uh, anxiety. Um, again, when it comes to any erectile issue, um, erectile dysfunction, delayed ejaculation, uh, PE, you know, I do want folks to, to have all of their biolog potential biological problems or medical issues ruled out. You know, if, if, if they're healthy and everything is fine, um, great. Then, then usually they get referred to me or they're showing up in sex therapy uh, because of anxiety that's at the root of it. So it makes a lot of sense that this person is saying they're nervous to tell their partner. Um, I'm sure his partner's probably noticed if he's prematurely ejaculating. Um, and so there are particular uh, strategies and treatments in sex therapy that can be very helpful. One of them is sensate focus, uh, slowing things down. And I explain that to couples and in therapy. And, and I'm wanting, if people are in a committed relationship, my position, my perspective is I'm really wanting folks to come together um, or to show up together to uh, sex therapy. 
because I, I find that that's the most efficient, um, quickest route to resolve the issue. I want to be. I want people to. I want them to kind of come in, deal with stuff, and get through, and send them on their merry way. Because there are so many folks out there that need help, and I really want to help the whole world. <laughs> I know a lot of people like myself want to do that. So um, we we want to make it sort of brief therapy, in that it can be anywhere from you know ten to twelve sessions for sex therapy, uh, average of sixteen around for couples therapy, and. Uh, yeah, this again, this is also solvable. It's interesting. Let me just say this in this case, from what I'm seeing written on my screen here, um, this person says probably connected to various issues inside and outside the marriage, but I'm too nervous to tell my partner. So that's a big clue for me, which is that I want to create help th this couple create a space where it feels safe to talk. It feels safe to communicate openly so that the nervousness can be decreased. Um, now it's, you know, it's interesting because with couplings, part of it is learning to tolerate our anxiety, but part of it is also figuring out how to decrease anxiety. And that, that really helps because literally um, if there's tension, muscle tension that can impair uh, blood flow, uh, which can cause erectile dysfunction, delayed ejaculation, but premature ejaculation can also come out of anxiety as well because it, it's there's this kind of reactivity that's going on, and I want to slow things down for folks. And I think you try really hard as well to make sure that when couples are in session with you, that you make it as safe and as comfortable a place as possible, you know, on your end, so that the people on the other end you know, do feel comfortable sharing or opening up or. Yeah. Yeah. And it go, yeah. That's a good point. It goes back to normalizing things and helping people understand that this is all normal. You know, this is, I'm not hearing anything uh, pathological. This is just sort of how our bodies work, how, how human sexuality works. And so we just take a look at that and help, help make it better. Okay. Uh, Want to do one more? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm interested in opening up my relationship to a third party, but I'm nervous to talk about it. I don't know where to start, but it's something that I'm interested in. Okay. Um, yeah. So I would recommend that they, uh, that this couple come in together. Um, this is something that can be talked about in couples therapy, sex therapy. Um, you know, they'd have to sort of inquire uh, with their partner as to whether their partner would consent to that or not. Uh, if it's something they might entertain the idea of, consent is key. Um, and then, you know, we go from there. I mean, their partner may surprisingly say, yes, I've thought about that myself. Their partner may say, absolutely not. That's nothing I would ever consider. Um, and then if that's nothing they would ever consider, then that means the person who's writing here, you know, saying they want to open up the relationship, if their partner would not consider that, then um, that's the answer, right? Then then uh, there's a choice to make. They can either stay in the relationship and continue uh, because they want that. Um, there's enough in that relationship to keep them there. Um, or, you know, the, it's a two-choice dilemma. Or maybe they leave the relationship because they want to be in relationships that are uh, polyamorous or open. That's great. Those are all the scenarios I have for today. Sure. And, and actually that last one is not that simple because if their partner, um, would consider it 
or even if they wouldn't consider it, there's ways of thinking about that. So uh, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that just quickly is, has that person who's wanting to open the relationship up thought about what that would be like to see their partner with another partner? Because maybe it's not just about them and their experience, but have they thought about what that would really be? And we walk down that road. Because polyamorous relationships, are very, they're very structured. And I think a lot of people don't realize how structured they actually are. But this, the structure and the thought that goes into them to make sure that everyone feels comfortable and that everybody's on the same page. And it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. You have to build trust. And it, it, yeah, absolutely. So great. That's cool. We did our little Q&A today. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Vicki. Um, thank you, Justin and Paul in the back. Always good to have the boys around doing their thing. And uh, once again, just remember that you can find me on Facebook. Uh, my name is Donna Harris Richards, L-I-C-S-W-C-S-T. You can find me on Facebook at the Sex and Couples Therapist. You can find me on Instagram at the Happy Ending Therapist. If you'd like to call the office, the number is 508-990-9909. My website is www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. And remember to always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. And I look forward to our next get-together. Take good care.